Hey, Valley fans, you're listening to the March to the Arch podcast. Is your team going to win? Make some noise! This is the March to the Arch podcast, your place for Missouri Valley Conference news, talk, and takes. Welcome to episode 25 of the March the Arch podcast in this 2020-2021 Missouri Valley Conference season. Baker and I are back from St. Louis after a weekend at Arch Madness. We're going to break down everything from the weekend. We're joined by Matt Bain of the Des Moines Register to talk all things Drake and how the outlook looks for the Bulldogs heading into an NCAA tournament bid hopes. We also have some fun along the way. We're going to go around the valley, uh, talk through some of the recent announcements as we record here on Tuesday, March 9th. And you know what? We even have a cameo from Jeff Goodman. So before we get into that, how are we doing today, Baker? I'm tired, Vance. It's been a, it was a long weekend, uh, a lot of fun, a lot of good Valley hoops. I honestly, when you just mentioned this, is did you say episode twenty five? Yeah, for this season. Yeah, we I didn't even I wasn't even paying attention. The Arch Madness episode was was twenty four. The Jack Bauer episode. That's correct. Oh my goodness. Yep. Vance, but no. Um, I can tell you right now. Uh, I think uh, I think my wife's happy. We're we're we finally hit the end of Valley hoops. I'm disappointed. <laughs> I'm going through a little bit of withdrawal now because no more valley hoops for well you know until what december 31st probably usually they play new year's eve so it's going to be until then until we have valley hoops but i'm sure and i'm sure your wife is probably uh equally as excited that uh there won't be a valley game every night we're going on a uh, a non-Valley vacation um, this upcoming weekend. So um, we got through some of our, um, our our work cycles. And so it's it's time to let loose and uh, have a little fun um, out in Colorado. Oh, it's Colorado, one of my favorite spots. But, um, yeah, let's, uh, let's get into the news. Uh, pretty big news story uh, the last couple of days in Terre Haute. Absolutely. And um, I think everybody uh, knows what we're going to talk about here if you're listening to this podcast. But um, Coach Greg Lansing um, was not retained. Um, He technically was not uh, fired. So he's not retained by the Indiana State Sycamores um, after bowing out of Arch Madness. Um, There was a press conference. And most recently today, there has been just an absolute wave of transfers um, hitting the NCAA transfer portal. Um, real quick, uh, Jake LaRavia, Trey Williams, Kobe Barnes, and Jared Hankins have all entered the transfer portal. Yeah, um, this one stinks. Uh, I think we kind of we alluded to it last week when uh, Jeff Goodman uh, sent out his tweet about it basically – kind of being a reality that this was going to be the end of Greg Marshall. Um, we had kind of heard rumblings throughout the year, but we were hoping it wasn't true because, I mean, what is he, second second winningest coach in Indiana State history by like a game? Yeah, I'm going to correct you real right? quick. I think you just said Greg Marshall, um, Greg right, Lansing. Sorry, Greg Lansing. Sorry. <laughs> I, I know you said you were um, tired, but I didn't know if you were Greg Marshall tired. <laughs> <laughs> I got Greg Marshall in my mind. I'm really tired. Um, no, Greg Lansing, I apologize. But um, but is he second, second, uh, second most wins in – Indiana State history, right? By like yeah. a game. Yeah. Okay. Well, he needed one more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think uh, so. I don't like it. Um, I'll just be honest about it. Uh, I think it was a poor move by Indiana State. Uh, I thought that press conference was pretty awkward that they were sitting together after 
he's not being retained, which I, I can't believe. I Number one, um, Greg Lansing must be one of the classiest human beings on earth to actually sit there and do that press conference. And number two, why would they ever do that? That just feels so wrong to have your AD sitting next to you when you're not being retained. Yeah, for the media and public to see. Um, I hope there's just something going on that we don't know about Baker. Like, I mean, maybe maybe staying at any state in an admin role. I, I still think that's awkward, but like, yeah, it was the most awkward. Um, he's too uh, good. Yeah, but he's too good a coach. I mean, I know. He's, a, he's a good coach. He's not staying in an admin role. No. I mean, listen, if he does, if he does, I take back what I said, but um, going in the other state, he's not. Um, yeah. There's going to be a lot of teams out there lucky to have him. Um, as a coach in the Valley, like, you know, let's call a spade a spade. Um, his arch madness record prior to this year, um, he hadn't won a game in like five years. So, um, I can see, I can see the argument against him, but to me, seeing what he's done, his body work at Indiana State, his body work in the Valley, I don't, I can't imagine with Indiana State in the situation they're in, what, what's better? What can they get that's better? And, and maybe they know something we don't, but, um, I can tell you Greg Lansing is not going to be without a job for a while. Yeah. You talked about just his arch madness record. There was a really funny moment um, after the Loyola Indiana state game and their press conference. And um, it, it was and shout out to Porter Moser. I, I believe him and Greg have a very good uh, relationship and they asked him about uh, Greg Lansing and retaining him. Um, and, and Porter made a great comment um, uh, to him, but then in Greg's uh, uh, press conference, they said, Hey, this is what Porter Moser said about you. And, um, you know, how he hopes you stay and things like that. He's like, yeah, he probably just wants to keep me around because he beats up on me so much. And I was just like, that is just <laughs> such a, like, like a, a funny way to say we have a great camaraderie in the coaching circle in the Missouri Valley Conference and just how much they all mean to each other. Yeah, no, that's awesome. A um, couple of classy moments this weekend. We'll get to another one from uh, Porter Mosier later in the show. But uh, back to Lansing real quick. I mean, I – You've heard, uh, you and I have read articles and seen things where, you know, money's a little tight sometimes at Indiana State, and, and you wonder what, what they have in store for the future. Um, and then we look at all of the, I mean, we're, we haven't even started talking about all the the departures. Mm-hmm. I mean, at the top of the list, Jake LaRavia, a yep. guy who we both think, I mean, he's a potential first-teamer next year. I mean, he's that good. Um, and I know, I know, I think he said uh, today that he may – May yeah, stay. you want to do, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, they asked and he said that, you know, I would reconsider uh, my decision if they um, hired assistant coach Kareem Richardson, um, which I thought was interesting. I mean, I don't I don't see how Indiana State can hire one of Greg's assistants. I just really don't um, see how that happens and why you wouldn't just keep Greg if you're going to go down that route. Yeah, um, that, that's just my personal thoughts. Um, around that, but I thought that was an interesting um, comment from uh, Laravia. That's definitely an interesting comment, and you wonder if that holds well for the same the other uh, the other three that are planning to leave. But I mean, that's a huge dent. I mean, listen, if those four are gone, um, I have a really hard time believing they finish anywhere but tenth. Yeah. Like, and that's just being. And I'm trying to be as nice about it as I can, but they're not going to be any good. They're, they're those are four super contributors on this team that are um out the door which is um and you feel bad I mean and like you even mentioned assistant coaches I mean feel bad for the staff because I mean this affects them who knows what the next coach who the next coach is going to be uh whether the, some of the staff is retained so um you know it's it's it, this is tough for a lot of people all around we don't you and I don't come on this show and we don't talk about coaches losing their jobs or any of that stuff cause we don't want to you know say a coach should or shouldn't but um, when it happens I mean this this stinks it stinks for everybody and but I, I will say one thing about Greg Lansing real quick um, 
at a minimum, if he wants to continue coaching, uh, there's going to be plenty of coaches out there who will love to have him as part of their staff. I'd like venture to guess. Gonna, he feels like he'd get like a kind of like when Barry Henson left Southwest Missouri. So I think he went to Kansas for a little while. Yep. And before he came to Southern Illinois. So I kind of – I could see him going that route before he gets back into the head coaching job. I could see him replacing his salary um, pretty easy at a, uh, at a Power Five uh, conference. Absolutely. Best of luck to him and the rest of his staff. That's a tough pill to swallow, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. It's part of college basketball. All right, Valley fans, let's get into Arch Madness weekend. We're going to do this one a little bit differently. We're just going to go chronologically through the weekend. We're going to talk about, you know, what kind of Baker and I did throughout the weekend to give you kind of insight of what it was like being in St. Louis if you didn't get a chance to go to Arch Madness 31. In addition, we'll be talking about each game along the way in our normal fashion. So, yeah, I mean, this the weekend – kicked off pretty much midday Thursday where we uh, left uh, where we live and headed down to the Gateway City. Um, all the way down, we listened to our favorites, um, you know, some of the other uh, Missouri Valley Conference uh, podcasts along the way. Um, just had a good time getting ready for the weekend ahead of us. Um, when we got there, we parked and we went to check into the hotel and we were walking uh, down the block in downtown St. Louis. And I, and I swear, listeners, the first person we came across on the sidewalk outside of the hotel. Uh, also, this was not Indiana State's hotel, but it was n- none other than Greg Lansing. So, Dude. first person. <laughs> so, it's, so we're walking out and and we're starting to walk toward the hotel. And Vince is like, this is like, I think that's Greg Lansing. And I'm like, no, it's not Greg Lansing. And he's like, no, that's that's Greg Lansing. I was like, no, it's, it's some. I was thinking to myself, it's just some dude who kind of looks like Greg Lansing wearing an Indiana State sweatshirt. And we get closer and closer, and he's like, that's Greg Lansing. That's Greg Lansing. And we got like, it took till we were like in the crosswalk with him, and it's like, wow, first person we see is actually Greg Lansing. That was unreal. Um, <laughs> and so uh, I think you said, I think you said, uh, hey, coach, good luck today, and uh, we moved along. Um, yep. Didn't uh, didn't stay for the interview for him, but no. uh, he looks like. <laughs> He looked like he had places to go on, like, talking to us. So Yeah, he was uh, – he has headphones in, um, <laughs> walking downtown, probably just getting ready uh, for the weekend. He was, you know what? For a guy with his headphones on, he did stop and at least say hello and yep. said that they appreciate it. So That was uh, pretty cool. What a way to start off the, the Arch Madness weekend. Yeah, so, what a way. <laughs> we, we got uh, checked in, and then uh, we ended up going over um, to the Ballpark Village area, met up with some listeners and friends. Um, and uh, just met up with them. We've been talking on Twitter and uh, kind of just previewed uh, the night's games with them, uh, just getting ready for it. Then we all kind of walked to the Enterprise Center for the first game, um, which uh, one of us was very interested in, and that is myself, uh, where the number nine seeded Slukies beat the number eight seeded Braves 73 to 63. SIU had lost three straight MVC tournament games. And finally got a Thursday or got a Thursday night win. No one finally wants a Thursday night win because you're ideally not playing on Thursday. Uh, this game was plagued uh, before the ball was even tipped and by both injuries and just continued suspensions. Um, then we added insult to injury and the best player on the floor for the Salukis, Lance Jones, went down with an ankle injury just five minutes into the game. Um, it was a back-and-forth first half. The Salukis hit uh, eight threes and scored the last five points of the half and momentum into the locker room um, where the Salukis had a 38-32 lead. 
They pushed out their lead to double digits by scoring the first four points of the half. The Braves didn't give up and went on a 12-4 run to cut the Saluki lead to five. But then uh, Ben Harvey completed a three-point play, stretching that lead out to eight with a little over three minutes to play. And Bradley couldn't get within that for the rest of the game. Ben Harvey for the Salukis uh, picked up the offensive slack for uh, injured Lance Jones, scoring 24 points. Brown had 13. Uh, for the Braves, Rinkmast um, had a had his second double-double going 24-10. and 10. Sean East added 16 points. Yeah, yeah. Uh... Good win for your boys, huh? It's really too bad, though, that uh, everything went down with Lance Jones. He already hit a couple of threes at that point. And it was uh, – we were kind of, where we were sitting was kind of on the corner of that game. And it, what was interesting about it was, like, he tried so hard to get back in that game. I think he tore, took his shoe off, taped it up, took his shoe off again, taped it up, took his shoe off again, taped it up. I think he did it, like, three times. And he kept trying, trying, trying to walk on it, keep it going. And then finally, he just kind of shook his head, took his shoe off, and put a towel over his head and called it a night. Um, so real disappointing. But like, like you said, um, it's a the team stepped up. I mean, Ben Harvey, give him credit, came yeah. in and uh, had had himself a night, and uh, he had to do he had to do so because I mean, the I think what they what was a ten point game, right? Yeah, they won yeah. by ten. But I mean, Bradley was Bradley was kind of hanging around for a while. I mean, it wasn't like a blowout or anything, but. Um, Southern just when it counted, they made a couple of shots when they needed to, made some stops. And um, yeah. I actually think a couple of possessions toward the end of the game, uh, Bradley could just couldn't, they just couldn't hit the big shot. And that was just, I think Tom and Einan did not have a great game. Um, it, it just wasn't, uh, uh, it was a solid win for Southern as much, much but it's a playing game. So it's kind of hard to, to dive too hard into it, but not much to it. You, you know more about this. You're Southern guy. So you, if you want to say any more about it? Yeah, no, I think that it's just, it just showed that um, I, I just really like this team and the, the core that's coming up because, you know, Lance Jones went out and I think we could have easily folded, right? Um, but, I mean – No I, doubt about it. I, I don't want to – I give you guys total credit on that. But I – and I also don't want to just say we were playing a great team. I mean, Braves were depleted as well. Um, so, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm happy to get a Thursday night win just where we're at in the season being the, the ninth team in the Valley – Getting out of Thursday, it was an admirable goal um, because we knew it was ahead of us. Um, also, I'm really mad that game one, um, the downfall of my voice started uh, because in when there was you were, like you were less, done. less than five or there was like less than a thousand people there, obviously. Um, and you know, an SIU chant was easy <laughs> for everyone to hear. Um, so it was it was it was done after that. You you know what though? I think that like I think you and I went through the same thing with on Thursday night because it was like we've been waiting all year to actually cheer for our team and be <laughs> yes. excited about being at a basketball game. <laughs> and it's like, we're actually there. So like, I mean, I tried to get a couple go birds chance going and there was, you know, there's like maybe seven of us there. And, um, you with SIU, there's a few more Southern fans, but, uh, I think that's part of what it was. Uh, one other note for the weekend, if we're going to kind of walk through the story of the weekend at halftime, we did try to show people the concourse and try to go live on Twitter. Huge fail on our part on that one. Um, yeah, did not work out to our uh, ability we did a an entire halftime report uh <laughs> talked to our friend tony a big bradley fan about it and uh we actually uh, it was really it would have been really good content if anybody could have seen it so uh, um but, i'm gonna hey, fall on the what? sword here i'm gonna fall on the sword here um i legitimately forgot the microphones um in the hotel room and i was not going back to get them so <laughs> yeah but we tried we tried to do it through the phone and you know what um, we, even in a concourse of like 14 people it still wasn't enough. with a mask on <laughs> with a mask on yeah that was uh, uh and we tried we tried but uh 
no, just uh, another little funny part to the, the weekend. Yeah. So it was kind of interesting because in between games and uh, we're not going to talk about what we did between every game, but I think people might've been interested just with, there was no sessions. Each session was one game. So everyone had to leave after each game. And, you know, depending on when the game went over, they, they stick, they stuck with the, um, the, the posted time that the game was supposed to start. Yep. And so like, there was like, what do you do? Because we had, you know, almost an hour and a half to kill because it was a relatively quick game. And yep. so like, I mean, I feel like that was just a missed opportunity for some sort of business downtown. I mean, there were, there were businesses that, that we were able to walk to, um, yeah. but like even just the enterprise could have kept people around somehow in a socially distanced way. But yeah, yeah, that was finding something to do between games is what I'm ultimately trying to say was like, it was a decent walk to go do anything. So what did you think of that? Did you, uh, I mean, if it was future years and non-COVID year, let's just take that kind of in perspective. Do you like the idea of being able to leave the building, kind of having that break? Because um, I, I, I'm kind of torn, honestly. Like, I could actually see it being fun, and I could also see and hating it. Yeah, so it, it depends because I would say in a normal non-COVID season, the time between games is shorter, but they had to extend it because they were, um, you know, technically sanitized. Well, I'm saying leaving the building, though. What I'm saying is I'm talking about having to leave the building. No, I say no time. because there, it's going to be a shorter time in between, so you're legitimately leaving and walking back in. Um, whereas the nice part was is the buffer was long enough that you could walk somewhere, with, you know, that right. we did, whereas in other seasons okay. you wouldn't. You're, you're, miss, you're missing my question. Uh, my question is, if in, even in a normal year, would you want this to be the same thing next year is what I'm asking. Like, would you want to go back to the sessions where there's two games together or would you want to keep it like this and be able to have that time in between is what I'm asking. Yeah. Sorry. I, I did a hundred percent miss your question. That's um, okay. No, I like the sessions because there's something to just hanging out in the concourse and talking with, you know, buddies, friends, um, about the upcoming game and maybe you're reeling um, because your team just lost, or maybe you're pumped um, that you won the first game. You're sticking around for the second game. Um, I think that's what kind of brought more. That's, that's what brought the, the Valley camaraderie around because you might just meet randoms and, you know, uh, start a uh, kick off a conversation with them. So I love the concourse of the enterprise center in between uh, games in a session. Fair enough. Fair enough. I can see the advantages of both. Um, yeah. Especially, uh, like for this situation actually was good because we met up some, some Illinois state fans to kind of get us primed up and ready to go for the ISU game. So yeah. that was kind of nice to be able to, you were able to kind of decompress before we went back <laughs> to the arena yeah. and, um, and you know, I was ready to, okay, now it's my turn to have game time. Absolutely. So yeah, let's get to that game. Uh, number 10 ISU Redbirds fell to the number seven uh, Northern Iowa Panthers in their only game of the, uh, the weekend. Losing, um, or sorry, the Panthers won 65 to 60. This was a sixth straight win for the seven seed, which I thought was an interesting stat, Baker. That is an interesting stat. Um, anyway, um, uh, go so, ahead, go with the yeah, recap. This is a great opening offensively for both teams, and they were pretty much going blow for blow until it became a game of runs, starting with ISU taking a seven point lead, and then you and I. Uh, goes on its own seven-point run and takes a one-point halftime lead. In the second half, there were six lead changes and eight ties. Uh, the Redbirds were up one um, with six and a half left after DJ 
corn uh, free throws. But that was the last lead for the Redbirds. Back to back field goals by Fife and a three by Heisey created a four point lead with four and a half left. And the Redbirds just couldn't get any closer, losing by five. Fife had 21, matching a season high. Pickford had 11. Um, the Panthers were shot terribly from three. They were four of 21 from three. Um, for your, your Redbirds, Morsick had 15. Horn and Reeves each had 10. Yeah, this one stinks. Um, as a fan of the Valley, it's uh, – I mean, this wasn't, a, this wasn't a pretty game by any stretch. Um, but um, it was competitive. As an Illinois State fan, you don't want your team to go down night one, especially on a Thursday, which, which stinks. But um, that's kind of how the season's been for Illinois State and Illinois State fans. Um, Horn wasn't particularly good. Um, yep. Washington wasn't great. Uh, Mo Horsick, I thought, played – fairly well considering uh going up against uh Fife. Fife had a pretty had a big night and he um I think he kind of uh kept things afloat as as the game would go on when ISU would have these little mini runs. But um shout out to Trey Burhau because I think he hit the shot of the night honestly. Um when I think Illinois State was down by three and Burhau was relatively quiet throughout the entire night but um hit the biggest mm-hmm. three of the game. And uh that was the one that was just the dagger for Illinois State. Um, I don't think Northern Iowa played their best. Um, Illinois State didn't play their best. Um, but you know, Northern Iowa had enough to uh, to get a win, which uh, I think that they were probably thinking to themselves, and, and it's going to stink when we get to the next day for them. But I think at this time, at this moment, Northern Iowa was thinking to themselves, we didn't play our best game. We got through the first one uh, relatively unscathed. We are ready to rock and roll tomorrow. Um, but uh, as an ISU fan, just a uh, really disappointing season. Um, not much else more you can say about it. Yeah, I'll add in some too, just because I feel like um, if, if you're dialed into this podcast, you're in uh, some of the message boards um, and probably uh, more in tune with it. But, um, you know, as reported by Jen Benson, um, ISU's AD Kyle Brennan, um, you know, had a quote that said, um, basically alluding to uh, Dan Muller at ISU, um, I have really nothing to say. He's our coach. I don't know why there's rumors. There's no truth to the rumors he's leaving. He's not going anywhere. I just want to chime in on that because I would say the um, the extremes on both sides um, listen probably to this podcast um, or more dialed in. And, yeah, any, any thoughts on that, Baker? Zero thoughts. Okay. All right. Um, so that was the end of the evening, Thursday night. Um, we will move on to quarterfinal Friday. This is the longest day of basketball. We started it off with breakfast. But it's at- the most fun day of basketball, by oh. the way. Before we get into yeah. breakfast, we're, this is like Thursday at Arch or Friday at Arch, man. That's four games, eight teams playing. I mean, I know it stunk for my team is, was gone, but I mean, Vance, is there anything better than four straight games? There's really not. Um, you know, you just can't beat it. I mean, like I said, breakfast at Roosters had a slinger. One of my favorite uh, go-to <laughs> breakfast uh, dishes anywhere, not just St. Louis. Um, so it was really, it. really one of the best starts to my day uh, to go see um, uh, what was the bloodbath of the SIU Loyola game. Um, so SIU lost 49-73 to to the number one seeded Loyola Ramblers. Um the Ramblers were just a machine. I mean, Lance Jones didn't play. Um, I think that's well reported. Um, I really don't know if that that matters. Um, it, it just shows how well oiled Loyola was, and that was like that was the time for me that I just don't know who beats Loyola. I mean, and I, they were playing a very depleted SIU team. I understand that. Just the way it almost felt like they were. It was. 
they were treating it as a practice for a little while. They were just running their sets and just going on. So everyone contributed. Um, Hudson was the leading scorer with 13. Norris and Clemens had 11. Chris Lukey's Devonzo had a season high 18, and Dalton Banks had 12. I've got, as a Saluki fan, I've got nothing to add other than my expectations were let's just play loose and have fun. <laughs> um, so Devonzo had an awesome first half. Like he was, he single handedly kept you in this game um, for as long as he did and kept it under 10. I mean, it was about seven points or so throughout the whole first half. Loyola didn't really get, they went on a kind of a run at the end of the half, which kind of extended it out to 13 at halftime. But um, the Salukis played hard. They played tough. But like you said, it kind of treated it like almost like a scrimmage, like practice. Um, it kind of felt like maybe they were getting their sea legs under them just because, you know, Southern had played the night before. They were fresh. They were kind of in game. Um, they had been in the building. They played on that floor less than 24 hours before. So um, Loyola was trying to kind of get, kind of get the lay of the land, kind of see how things go. But like you said, this was kind of that game where as you watch them and you realize, God, if this team is scoring, if this team is, if, if, I mean, if Loyola gets in the sixties, you're, if you're playing Loyola, you're in big trouble. Yeah. I mean, and I think that that was like the, the key thing and seeing them in person, like you don't realize how good defensively they are until you see them in person. Yep. And there were some moments during that game where, like, and and you and you, well, you saw it in the other games as well. But in that game particularly, I noticed where it was just impossible for Southern Illinois to move the ball. Like, Absolutely. they were not getting good looks, and um, shorthanded as they were, they just—I mean, it, they didn't have much of a chance. But uh, I mean, they played hard. Devonzo was good, but um, really not much more than that. Yeah, just excited to see my team on Friday. Uh, moving on to the game after that. Um, <laughs> where That was not a shot. Um, anyway, number four, Indiana State um, beat the Evans, number five seeded Evansville Purple Aces 53-43. to 43. The 43 points was the lowest point total um, in the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament since 2016. In the first half, the Sycamores had a 23-20 to 20 lead um, going into the under-eight media timeout, and then no one scored until right before the under-four-minute media timeout. It was back and forth after that, and the Sycamores ultimately had a two-point halftime lead. In the second half, it was a four-point Sycamore lead going into the last um, timeout, and the Aces never scored again – or, sorry, the last media timeout uh, at four minutes, and the Aces never scored again, losing 53-43. to 43. Um, for Evansville, uh, the threes just weren't falling um, in that last um, uh, four minutes. Both Givens, Coleman, and Newton were all um, all had attempts, and I, I, that's they just couldn't score. Yeah, Wolf. Um, this was a ugly, 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 ugly game. Um, I mean, these the last like the second half of this game was just. It was bad. It could, they know neither team was shooting the ball well, um, and Evansville just couldn't get the shot. I mean, they were the thing about Evansville. You notice every single time you watch them play, they play so hard. And um, I mean, Givens was getting to the lane. He was getting some shots. Enough, literally, nothing was falling. They could not buy a basket. And, and we talked about it before. If Evansville's not shooting the ball very well, um, they're going to have a lot of trouble beating teams, especially a team in the top four of the valley. So. Um, it was – anytime Givens is under 10 points a game, Newton also under 10 points a game, I mean, that's all you need to know. I, I can't imagine Evansville's won a game this year with both players not scoring in double figures. But um, credit to Indiana State, Tyreek Key, he had a couple of really big baskets when it actually counted and um, kind of expanded that lead out a little bit. And 
Um, Indiana State held on, but I mean, like, truthfully, neither team played particularly well. And Indiana State, I think, just kind of held on is the best way to put it. Yep. So um, after that, uh, I would say this weekend, uh, we both were embraced by the uh, Drake fan base, uh, just meeting some, <laughs> some friends and listeners there. So uh, we went and uh, met up with uh, them uh, as they prepare for uh, their game against Northern Iowa. Mm-hmm. Um, come to find out, it didn't happen, Baker, did it? No, it didn't. Um, it was like a – what a – do you want to go through the series of events of how everything yeah. kind of unfolded there? Because that was just – I mean, and we'll get into the whole story. Uh, I'll pull up the uh, press release, but go ahead and kind of tell yeah. the story of how it all went down. Yeah, so we had met up with uh, the the Drake fans. We had, um, you know, met in person for the first time after uh, bantering on Twitter quite a bit. Um, and then – so we were all um, downtown at Tin Roof, and I would say there was a lot of Drake fans there. Um, and so just, you know, talking with people, talking with fans, um, hanging out. And then all of a sudden, um, just with our happenstances, uh, we were with someone who knew was very close and without a doubt knew the game was not going to get played, um, that evening. And it just kind of flooded, uh, the bar we were at. And it was just a very strange um series of I would say it was like 10 minutes before it went official we all had well, been it, hearing well, it was so it was weird so like before that we and it was actually two different people that were um pretty close that would know exactly what's going on and it was just like you said by happenstance but what was interesting is we were just kind of sitting there waiting um to kind of we were going to get ready to walk over the arena and all of a sudden Drake fans started coming and I think that was the thing that was kind of jarring at first because like like, I'm looking, I'm like, why are Drake fans here? Like, I mean, the game starts in, like, yeah. 10 minutes. I'm I like, the only reason I was thinking to myself, I, the only reason I'm here is because we were getting a quick bite to eat and our food hadn't made it yet, so we are going to have to, like, scarf it down and go. And, like, I'm like, the only reason I'm here is because I'm waiting on food. And, like, just the Drake fans started coming in. And even, like, a Northern Iowa fan came in. I was like, this is weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. But. Yeah, yeah no, okay. no, keep going, though. It, no, it was cool. I mean, we, uh, we had the, kind of the scoop before it uh, got uh, officially uh, sent out by the Missouri Valley Conference. Um, and so, yeah, it was – that's what happened, Baker. Do you have the kind of the um, – any thoughts around, you know, just what happened from what we understand? You know, it was, uh, you know, days later, it was a false positive um, on the UNI staff. So, um, due to contact tracing, um, they were not able to take uh, the court – and um, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll, I'll read the press release real quick so everybody can hear who hasn't had a chance to read it. Uh, the Missouri Valley Conference has canceled the third quarter final of the 2021 State Farm Missouri Valley Conference Tournament due to a positive COVID-19 test result and subsequent contact tracing among the University of Northern Iowa's Tier 1 personnel, which consists of student-athletes, coaches, managers, staff. As a result, Drake, you and I, scheduled opponent, will advance to Saturday's semifinals and play the winner Missouri State Valparaiso. Each MVC program is required to do daily COVID-19 testing uh, for the week proceeding through Arch Madness. Beginning Wednesday, March 3rd, Mercy Corporate Health has partnered with the conference to conduct a nightly PCR test for each team's Tier 1 personnel at Enterprise Center. UNI's positive test was discovered as part of Thursday evening's testing. For the MVC championship at Enterprise Center, decisions relating to the safe navigation of the tournament play ultimately made St. Louis City St. Louis City's Board of Health, which includes the implementation of contact tracing guidelines outlined by the CDC and the City of St. Louis, utilizing the City of St. Louis's guidelines 
contact tracing revealed you and I did not have enough available players to compete. Uh, and then uh, we go on to have a couple statements here from the Commissioner Doug Elgin. You and I and other institutions ultimately relied on the conference's policies that have been in place all season and were thought to be applicable here. At the tournament, it should be noted you and I followed those procedures during the participation of the event. However, the City of St. Louis's Board of Health Department COVID orders take precedence over MB MVC protocols, and none of our institutions were aware that was this was the place. In all prior communication we had with St. Louis health officials, uh, we clearly indicated that the MVC had adhered to the CDC guidelines and NCAA uh, guidelines. The MVC did not have the necessary conversation with local officials to clarify the administration of the tournament would be governed by the St. Louis Health Commission's COVID orders. I apologize and take full responsibility for not resolving the administration of policies that are in place during this year's tournament. Um, and then it goes on to talk about the refund of the tickets as well. Yeah. Um, so bummer. <laughs> um, I just think <laughs> a mouthful, right? In the mo in the moment, um, I thought day of Ben Jacobson was a class act. Um, I would say if I'm a UNI person, I am just absolutely losing it. Um, especially knowing what we, we think he knew at the, at the time uh, the decision was made. So um, I, I think he had every opportunity to um, voice his, be a very loud voice of displeasure with the decision. Um, and I just, I just looked at him as a, as a role model of how you hate, how you um, take adversity and uh, coach your team through it. Yeah. So but that was a mouthful, by the way. Um, that was yeah, hard to get so through. <laughs> um, shout out to me on that. Uh, cause I didn't make you read it, but, uh, so back to Ben Jacobson, totally true. Um, if you heard what his comments were Friday evening, um, his comments were pretty short. He was kind of, uh, being professional about it. Didn't really dive too deep into it. Um, cause I think he wanted to know everything before he did. Um, as, uh, we talked about with Matt, uh, Bain here in a little bit, uh, he, um, definitely not happy. Definitely uh, feels they should have played based on what he said today. Um, or was, I don't know, it was Taylor yesterday, whenever he spoke, but, uh, um, just, I mean, this is one of those things that, uh, I mean, we, we can't sugarcoat it. It was, it was bad look for the Valley. Yeah. Um, it just puts just a, a it, it puts a, it puts a bad, bad, like cloud over what should have been a celebration for Doug Elgin and uh, hats off to Doug for, I mean, he fell on the sword for this one. I mean, he, he took it, I mean, he took it on the chin for the league. He, um, it just was a bad deal uh, all around. I, I don't know where the miscommunication was um, and what happened. That's not for me to try to speculate on because I'll never know. Um, but if I'm a Northern Iowa, I, I totally sympathize with Northern Iowa. If I'm a fan who made the trip, I feel awful for you. Um, if you're a player on that team, I feel terrible for you for not having a chance because, I mean, let's face it, was Drake probably going to beat Northern Iowa? Yeah, probably. Uh, would it have been a would it have been like a complete shocker if Northern Iowa beat them? Absolutely not. Northern yep. Iowa could could have definitely be the shorthanded Drake. Um, it wouldn't have been impossible for them to win that game. So you just really feel bad for everybody involved, and and even for the people for the Valley because I know I mean I it's we were even joking. I mean Katie on Twitter who runs the Valley Twitter. I mean I'm sure her uh, her night wasn't so much fun after that. But that's just a it's just been it's just tough for everybody around. And I don't want to. I mean. It was a bad look for the league, and yeah, I know it was a bad look for the league. And uh, you know, hopefully they learn from this, and hopefully other tournaments as they happen this weekend uh, saw kind of what happened and make sure that they've got their ducks in a row. Absolutely. 
So yeah, let's uh, let's move on to uh, the last game of the evening, and the six-seeded Valpo lost to the three-seeded Missouri State Bears, sixty-six to fifty-five. Uh, the Bears jumped out to a ten-point lead eight and a half minutes into the game. Valparaiso couldn't shoot, going thirteen percent for the half, um, which is a Missouri Valley Conference uh, tournament record low, and we're down thirty-one thirteen at the half. Um, those thirteen points for Valpo were the fourth lowest ever. Um, in the Missouri Valley Conference tournament. Uh, Valparaiso made it interesting getting back in the game on the back of a 13-2 run, 13-2 run, um, cutting it to eight with 11 and a half to play in the second half. Um, some timely threes from uh, Black and Ritter kept Valpo from getting any closer, and the Bears ultimately won by 11, 66-55. Mosley had 21, Prim had 11 for Valparaiso, Edwards had 17, Cricky had 12, and Donovan Clay had 10. Mosley, another 29-point uh, performance against Valparaiso, which is crazy. That was his third time, 29 points against Valparaiso this year. So um, what a weird stat that is. Um, this game really wasn't a doubt. Um, Missouri State jumped on him early, and it kind of was – I mean, it got up to 20 points in that, in that toward the end of the second – or the end of the first half, sorry. And then uh, I think Valpo had a couple shots. It was 13-31. And then – in the second half, it felt like, you know, Valpo was fighting. Um, I would give them all the credit in the world that they kind of fought themselves back into it. But it always felt like whenever Valpo would get it within maybe eight or nine, that was when Missouri State was like, okay, we got to hit a couple more shots. And um, this Missouri State team was locked in when they needed to be in this game. And that was, I think, the story of the game. Mosley was awesome. Um, not as – not a like Prim was 11-6. and six. It was kind of a, a, a – disappointing 11 and six like I feel like uh, he didn't even play his best game in this one because he didn't necessarily have to but um it was just a uh, Missouri State is a was just a bad matchup for Valpo and Missouri State was locked in this game and took care of, just took care of business and that set the stage for seeds one through four in the semifinal Saturday all right, starting out semifinal Saturday. Um, it, was, it was a cool day. Uh, my dad came up and actually took Baker's spot. Uh, Baker uh, went back home, and so he has the TV version of this, and I get to, get to talk through what it was like being at the semifinal in person. Um, so in the first semifinal matchup with Indiana State losing to the Loyola Ramblers 65-49, to um, before we get into this game, Baker, I know I've said it a lot of like my favorite Arch Madness feelings. I feel like I was robbed of one this weekend. Um, starting lineups, they didn't turn off the lights. <laughs> they didn't turn them off at all for Saturday, Sunday? Nope, no Saturday, Sunday. And I'm assuming that's a new enterprise rebrand, re-renovation thing, if I had to guess. Because I honestly don't remember if they did it last year or not. Um, they did. They, they okay. I think they did do it last year, if I remember right, because they had they tried to make it like everyone's home arena, like shutting the lights off. Because I, I remember the uh, Illinois State one last year on Thursday. So, okay, um, I'm that yeah. was that was something that they I mean they, they did, did the normal year. they did the normal hype video and then the lineups, yeah, they didn't but shut the you lights know, off. It yeah, was just, the light, it it just gives it, it, it just for like gives me goosebumps. We're, we're doing something. We're going to kind of go with the flow because, you know, a lot of these arenas aren't going to shut their lights off for, for games now even anyway, like when there's no yeah. people in the building. One thing I want to mention before you get into this game, and you were kind of mentioning the Enterprise Center, one interesting thing that I thought was just kind of like – it was just kind of different and, and never – obviously in our lives we'll never experience this again, but it was so weird that like half the seats had zip ties on them. Like that's something <laughs> I don't think we even mentioned. I don't know if yeah. anyone knew that, that 
wasn't there. So like how they did it at uh, Enterprise Center was like you had your little pods of people. So if you had like two seats, you were with two people, you had two seats together or, you know, maybe there'd be an extra seat there or whatever, but, or there'd be like your pocket of four or five seats together. However you bought your ticket package, that's how they had it set up. And all the other seats had these zip ties all around them. And um, it was just kind of crazy to see just to like, like you're looking around and like, it felt like you were at like a, it felt like you were just, there was no one there. And it was uh, a few times, like the loyal fans were, were pretty loud. The Drake fans were pretty loud, but in some of the games that those two weren't in, it was, it was kind of an empty building and it was kind of even eerie with all the zip ties. So yeah. um, I wanted to mention that just in case. So people who weren't there did understand what it was like when you were actually in the crowd, there were zip ties all around you on all these seats. So that was pretty cool. No, yeah. That's a good add in. I had forgotten to mention that one. Um, but yeah, back to this game, the, the win by a Loyola 65 49 over Indiana state. Um, unfortunately this game was over pretty early. Loyola came out and hit seven of his first nine shots along with a nine Oh run. And then Ramblers were up 11 quick. Then it was 15 and Loyola was up 14 at half. Um, they ultimately won by 16. They're just, I mean, Indiana State just didn't didn't get back into this game. Crutwick had 18. Williams had 14. Uh, Clemens had 12. Ugak had 10. Laravia had 13. And Tyreek Key had 11. Tyreek Key was four for 13. And uh, against a really good defensive team, that's, I mean, that's pretty much going to sell the story, um, unfortunately, for him. Because yeah. I think we both knew that Tyreek Key was going to have to have a pretty good game because he was one of the guys that, um, on this Indiana State team that you're comfortable with that can get their own shot. And I think it, against a team like Loyola with their really good lockdown defense, it just felt like like Loyola just kind of squeezed the life out of them toward the second half, toward the end, just because they never, they never let them get closer than like 12, like that whole second half. And it was just like they just – it was a steady, steady lead. Yeah, and it was one of those that I, I was telling my dad, I, I just kept waiting for Tyreek Key to turn it on because I was like, there's one person on this court that can actually take over and get NAS State back into this game. And I just kind of kept waiting. I thought he would have his moment, and he didn't, which is just kind of a bummer. But that's more of a testament to Loyola's defense mm-hmm. than it is um, anything else. And the defense for Loyola is just outstanding in this game. This was um, – they held everybody in check. That was just – no one was able to – to go off for Indiana State. Um, LaRavia had a nice 13, but, I mean, it was it, – it just felt like – it was – when watching this game, it felt like it, Indiana State was having just such trouble. And it was even – it was the same thing with Southern. It was mm-hmm. – they had such trouble getting a shot. Yep. And I think that's the key with this, this Loyola team, especially going forward. It's like they make it so – like you have to have, like, individual efforts that are just out of this world to beat them because – as a team, they're not going to give you great possessions. You're not getting a ton of great possessions against Loyola. You're just not. Yep. And, you know, so the game was over. I, I do want to talk about a couple in-person things that I observed. Um, so with uh, Coach Lansing, um, we, we've already talked about the news that happened after Arch Madness, uh, not retaining him. Um, but it, there, was, there was a couple of cool moments. Um, the embrace with uh, Porter Mosier was pretty cool after. You could just tell that it, it just felt different. Um, in the stadium, even the fans, I would say everyone was clapping. I mean, there's people at their tunnel, you know, clapping Greg when he when he walked in. Um, there was even some T-shirts made that um, said, yeah, we're, we're standing with Greg or we're standing with Lansing, which was uh, really cool. Um, was that what that it was? Stand with Lan- I think it was uh, standing for Lansing. Standing for said. Lansing. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. one of our listeners sent me a picture of it. It was, it was, uh, it was a cool touch. I, I like that. 
Yeah. And then even on top of that, um, even a couple of the officials, uh, Jerry Pollard being one of them, um, made sure to kind of run down Greg and kind of give him an embrace as well, which was, I thought, a pretty cool, um, you know, just it's a testament to what Coach Lansing means to the Valley. There's no doubt about it. I think it was uh, it was tough for everybody and a uh, classy move by everybody involved, uh, especially officials, coaches, everybody, because uh, they know how, how – how much that Greg Lansing puts into this. And, and I think everybody kind of knew what the, what the end of the weekend was going to be like um, shifting gears real quick before we get into the next game, because I think it took us till game seven now to actually mention it, uh, which for me was one of the highlights of the entire arena. And I almost forgot to even mention it. Um, at one of the ends, there was a gigantic inflatable <laughs> Missouri Valley conference trophy. I, hey, how do we how do we get to game eight? We hadn't even mentioned it yet, but well, um, I, I, I don't. I know. had I, notes. I, I was going to talk about it in the championship game, Baker, oh, but it's fine. Steal my thunder. Um, I did. Oh, yeah. See, this is now. I think everybody knows that this is not a rehearsed podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but if they didn't already, but uh, no, I was just like I was just thinking about that. I was like, how's Vance not? And now I really screwed up because I was like, how did Vance not mention this inflatable trophy? Um, but, yeah, no, it was it, it was a highlight for me. Um, in the back of my mind, um, I have to find the rental place that I was just gonna say. You've mentioned to me during the thing. He's like, you know, what do you think? What do you think we could uh, some way we can get this for like birthday party or something like that? Or I just like you know, a milestone just, birthday. Like I like by no means we're nowhere Valentine near we're, we're nowhere near forty or fifty. Um, but like. <laughs> man wouldn't it be cool in your front yard for your 40th you know kind of over the hill thing and um you got the you got the inflatable in your front yard oh, that would be who's not signing up for that <laughs> i think i think we got a revenue stream for the valley right. um, <laughs> not far off <laughs> but yeah that that was awesome um but uh let, yeah let's get in to uh the game of the tournament um and that was the second semifinal game um, Drake versus Missouri State, where Drake ultimately won 71 to 69. So a well rested Drake team came out swinging, jumping out uh, with the first three field goals of the game. But the Bears settled in, and it was back and forth with the Bears taking their first lead about eight minutes into the first half. There were multiple lead changes, and the Bulldogs went to the, to the locker room with a 40 to 37 lead. After um, another, so it was another back and forth uh, second half. Um, with the Bears taking the first lead of the, of, their, of the second half with 11 minutes to play off a prim three-point play. It was then shot for shot. Uh, Hervey makes a three. Well, then Yesifu makes one, too. Jamel Murphy makes a jumper, then Hervey goes down and does it, too. Uh, Drake had a two-point lead with three minutes to go. The Bears tied it up on back-to-back -back field goals by DeMarcus Sharp with 19 seconds to go. Um, it set up the scoop heard around the world as Joseph Yesifu drove the lane, made a layup with two seconds to go. And a last second heave by Sharp was no good, and the Bulldogs were moving on to the championship. Game of the tournament. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's no doubt. no doubt about it. It's, uh, this game was awesome. Um, I, you feel you feel like I tweeted out toward the end of this game. I said this really sucks for who loses this game because I mean Missouri State was on their game. They were playing really well and um, Drake Drake. You know they went blow for blow with each other and it was it was a heavyweight title fight. I mean this was uh, 
I, it makes, I think that just to kind of put a bow on the Missouri State side of things real quick because we don't know what's going to happen with them in the IT, which we'll get to later. But um, what really hurts for me is how good this team is and how they didn't get much of a non-con mm-hmm. and aren't even going to get a sniff at an NCAA tournament bid, which, uh, I mean, I know I'm biased. I know I'm a Valley fan. But seeing that game made me think, God, this is a – this team could compete in the tournament. Like this is not a, that's not a stretch for this team. Um, and you know, it, it just hurts for, it hurts because um, how good they've been all year. And I mean, I, well, how many prim have in that game? He had a, he had, uh, a huge, he had 19. So uh, huge, for the bears, 19 and 15. So, yeah. So for the bears, prim had 19, Hervey had 18 and DeMarcus Sharp had 16 for the Drake Bulldogs. Yes. Fu had 25 and Tramel Murphy had 20. And mostly only five points. I mean, that was – Yeah. I mean, that that's huge. just – that's Coming that's, off that's, 29 the night before, I mean, that's probably a testament – that is a testament to Drake. Yeah. Um, that Drake Drake played him really tough. And um, Tramel Murphy was awesome in this game. Yeah. So, uh, I forgot when it actually happened, but it was in the last couple minutes. It might have been right before the um, the, the stop and then uh, when Yesvu made the scoop layup. Um, but Tremont Murphy getting his nose stuffed with gauze. Um, did they show yes. that on TV? Like his, his, yes. I mean, it was like the gauze just kept coming. Like they just kept putting more in well, there. The blood kept coming underneath his nose and it just kept dripping yeah. down. It was like, Oh man, it got popped. Yeah. Uh, that was, um, that was a, a cool moment for him. It's like, put me in coach. I mean, do whatever you got to do. And, and defensively they were just, I mean, they were really good against Mosley. I mean, they made it really tough on him. Prim had an awesome game, but Mosley wasn't, wasn't as good in this game. And you know what? Um, end of the day, Yasufu's, uh what a great up and under oh uh, layup. I mean, that was just so – it was, like, so silky smooth. It was just, like, the the play of the game. And, and Missouri State had a look at the buzzer, too. They still got the ball up the court. They got to half court and got a look, and it's just like, oh, no. Yeah, um, and so they were out of timeouts. Fans, I, I thought if they had a timeout. I mean, there was, like, 2.7, I think, left. Um, I mean – Man, I mean, I, I mean, every time there's a half court heave, like for a second, I was like, all right, it's gonna hit backboard. Like, is this somehow gonna go yeah. in? Just my angle at the game wasn't the best for that shot, but um, oh man, what a yeah. Everybody saw that Gordon Hayward shot from like 10 years ago where it went in and out, and everybody thinks, okay, one of these times it's going in in one of these big games. And um, no, it was it was crazy because when the when the shot went in, yes, it was like jumping up and down, and it's like. You always, I always think to my like coaches back in high school, like if you ever had a buzzer late game shot, you're like, get back on defense. And like, yeah. and I'm just thinking to myself, they're not doing anything. I'm like, Missouri State got a great, I don't remember who got the look at the end of the game. It was sharp. Whoever, it was sharp. Yeah. Okay. Um, and like he got a good look and uh, it, it was, it was wide, uh, wide left on him. But uh, yeah, you know, uh, what, a, what an awesome game. Um, it, it was. hurts for the team that lost. But I think as Valley fans at this point, as we're kind of going through the story of it, uh, we all kind of could exhale because it was like, as Valley fans, non, uh, non-Missouri State fans, obviously, but as Valley fans, we all kind of, in the back of our mind, wanted to position ourselves to have two at-larges going into Sunday. And this loss could have really damaged Drake. Yep. And, and it might have been, been their seal in their fate, but um, them getting this win made Valley fans exhale a little bit. It's like, okay. Yeah, they don't necessarily need to win tomorrow. You know, and I was talking to Nick, and and we'll get into it. It's just like, all right, well, you got to the championship. Now you just can't get blown out in this next game. So yeah, we'll get we'll we'll get into that. But um, championship Sunday, uh, you know, before this game even tipped, um, or as it was tipping, you know, as Valley fans and and I forgot who tweeted out. Oh, I think it was Katie. Um, 
how lucky were we that Houston uh, makes that buzzer beater oh. half court shot over <laughs> Memphis? Um, I was just talking about a half quarter going in. It it happened the next day, right before Arch Madness final. Uh, people probably made if, if you know if, if they didn't see it. I mean, that was on CBS. I mean, we they would have had an entire overtime period playing while we're playing um, Arch Madness championship game. So, as a from a value perspective, that's the best thing that could happen. Penny Hardaway was so mad when <laughs> that went in, and I just saw him walk off the court after that went in. But I digress. Yeah. So another thing, just in Valley Facts, before we get into the game, um, this was the third time two head coaches who played in the Valley faced each other in the championship, Baker. Um, so obviously this year, Porter Mosier versus uh, Darren DeVries. Um, in 2018, Porter Mosier uh, coached against Dan Muller um, on Sunday. And then in 2006, Chris Lowry of SIU um, coached against Jim Les of Bradley University. I, I thought that's kind of cool. That is a pretty cool stat. I uh, I didn't know that, but I would have. As you were going through it, I was like, okay, Chris Lowry's got to be one of these. Uh-huh. Dan Muller, we've made a lot of Sundays, so he's probably the other. Yep. So <laughs> fair enough. Um, all right. Uh, so to the game, Loyola clinched its bid to March Madness with a 75 to 65 win over Drake. First half runs was the name of the game with. 10-point run by Loyola, eight minutes into the half, off two buckets from Crutwig, a three by Norris, and a three-point play by Hudson. Drake kind of stopped the bleeding, going on a 10-0 run of their own, and tied it up with seven minutes to play in the first half. But the Ramblers went on a 7-0 run after that, uh, before the last media timeout. They ultimately had a five-point lead, with uh, Murphy and Yesifu scoring field goals for Drake right before the half. Um, to get to that five-point lead. Um, the three-point line aided the Ramblers, who started the second half on a 17-6 run, mounting their largest lead at 53-39, to 10 minutes in. A 9-0 run by Drake, as they wouldn't give up, cutting it to an eight-point deficit. Drake kept punching, but Loyola, Loyola always punched back to keep the Bulldogs kind of out of, um, out of reach. And then it was time to cut down the nets as the Ramblers were the 2021 Missouri Valley Conference Tournament champions. Crutwig had 20. Norris had 20. He was 5 of 9 from 3. Clemens had 13. On the Drake side, Murphy and Wilkins both had 20. And Yesifu had 12. Um, from my perspective, before I give it to you, Baker, Drake did what they had to do. Um, they were down 13 with 3 minutes to play. And they cut it to 6 to kind of keep the scoring differential low in my mind. Yeah. Um, the, when it was 17, I think it got, it got up to about 17. Was it like midway through the second half? Mm-hmm. I think. Right. Yeah. Um, that was the moment where I was like, okay, Drake, um, you guys got to figure this out real fast. And if you're going to lose this game, you can't lose by 20. Um, like I even tweeted out, don't pull an Illinois state. Cause this is the same thing happened to them twice um, where they had, you know, an at-large opportunity, but got destroyed on Sunday in St. Louis and poof, went away. And they were the first team out both times. So um, I, that was the only thing in my mind. I was like, okay, keep this, keep, keep this close, keep it close. And the defensive, defensive effort played by Drake when they were not scoring in the second half, just to kind of stay afloat, keep them alive, keep them somewhat in the game was phenomenal. Like, I mean, Drake or Loyola was awesome defensively. Don't get me wrong. They made, they made things so hard on Drake, but, I was kind of impressed with the fact that, you know, you were down 17 and to come up with that kind of defensive effort, just to cut it within 10, I think they got it down to maybe six 
yep, late six. in the game is, is as close as they got it, which um, with about two minutes to go when they headed it down to six, it was like, okay, win or lose, Drake's fine. Yep. Um, but, uh, you know, hats off to Loyola. Braden Norris, awesome game. He had, um, oh, he had a couple yeah. of just huge threes that were just backbreaking for this team. He had a – they w- the thing about Loyola is they would Drake would go on a run and then they would go on a run and they Drake and this was throughout the whole first half and then you know Loyola just would make it so hard on them as playing such good defense on Drake and then would find a way to come up with these big shots and I mean if this Loyola team is playing this kind of defense and hitting shots like from the outside of Norris and giving them some threes and and they're scoring and and this is all by the way without Williamson for pretty much the whole first half and, and, and parts of the second half. I think he played six minutes in the first half because he had uh, – he would have two fouls right away, and that was it. So, um, hats off to Loyola. I mean, we, you can't say it any way. They were the regular season outright champions. They're the tournament champions. They are the best team in this league. Um, and I absolutely cannot wait to root for them when uh, the, their absolutely. spot on the bracket comes through. And they're, they're going to be like, – we'll talk about it soon, but – they're going to be an incredibly difficult out for literally anyone. Yep. Pretty cool, too. Um, this game, uh, obviously televised on CBS, it was the fifth um, highest-rated game of the week um, with uh, one million sixth. people watching it. Six times. Oh, six. Sorry. I uh, didn't realize Michigan, Michigan State was not in the bullet points. Six. Yeah. Sixth highest-rated at one million. Um, so, yeah, pretty cool um, thing for the Missouri Valley Conference Championship. Uh, just hey, you know quick. what? Hey, Valley Hoops, who, who's not tuning out Sunday? Kidding me? Yeah, who's not? Um, so, also, just real quick, we're not going to talk through it, but all, all tournament team, uh, Gage Prem, uh, Norris from Loyola, Yosef, Yesifu, uh, Tramel Murphy, and Cameron Crutwig was the first-time Doug Elgin most outstanding player. All right, Valley fans, we are excited to be joined by Matt Bain of the Des Moines Register. He is the first uh, person of the media we've been able to talk to after Arch Madness, so looking forward to getting uh, get into his experience at Arch Madness this past weekend. How are we doing this evening, Matt? I'm doing well. I, as we were talking a little bit before the show, it's starting to, starting to get into the 60s and 70s. We're going to start to thaw a bit out here in the Midwest. I know. I actually uh, grilled last night, and it was awesome. Oh um, it was one of those, like, I oh put shorts God. on, and I was like, you know what? I got to get the grill out and uh, fr- unfro some brats, and we were good to go. Damn, that sounds good. Good for you. All right. I also got Baker here. Uh, but, yeah, let's just get into it. So, I mean, obviously, COVID season, Arch Madness, no different. You guys had a different point of view uh, this year at Arch Madness. So maybe just uh, talk through a little bit what it was like uh, covering Arch Madness uh, from the penthouse level. Oh my God, difficult? Uh, well, not, not necessarily difficult, but um, I, 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 usually when I'm covering a game, you know, baseline or courtside or stuff like that, people on TV are asking me on Twitter what's going on. They're trying to figure out, Matt, you know, what, did, did coach say something during the timeout? What, what was going on during that flagrant situation? And I remember when Jermel Murphy got smacked in the nose uh, by Prim in the end of that semifinal, I had no idea what was going on. I couldn't see the blood. I couldn't see. So I was asking on Twitter, it looks like they're going to the monitors to see if it was a flagrant. Am I right, guys, people watching on TV? And I got 
20 people immediately telling me how dumb I was being like, yeah, he's, he's bleeding from the nose, dude. He got punched in the face. I'm like, sorry, I couldn't see. <laughs> so you didn't bring your binoculars is what I'm hearing. No, alas, I did not. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, definitely a, a different one, I would say, from here and, and just the, the other um, Valley Beat writers that we cover. Uh, yeah, they just said it was, it was unlike anything they've ever experienced, at least in an yeah. Arch Madness setting. But from a Drake perspective, what a weekend for the Drake Bulldogs. You know, personally, uh, Baker and I got to hang out with a lot of Drake fans, which was a great time. Um, <laughs> but, you know, anytime, you know, you're covering a team that you're there Friday through, su through Sunday, um, you know, that always adds a layer to it. So, you know, it is currently Tuesday, March 9th. Um, do you have a pulse for the, the Drake faithful or maybe uh, how, how, how people are feeling today on Tuesday after losing in the championship of Arch Madness? Uh, proud, but also extremely nervous. Um, and, I, and I think that they're grateful to be in a position where they are this nervous because, you know, for the last 20 years, most of the time, they're not even in the running for the NIT or the CIT or the CBI. They're just no good at all. Um, but now, as you guys uh, you know, they're right on the bubble. They're 47 in the net rankings. Um, all of the main projections have them as one of the last four in, playing in the first four. But the problem is they don't get to really control their own destiny over this next week. Everybody else controls their destiny. So, so that could be a good thing because if other teams on the bubble lose, that's good for Drake. But if other teams on the bubble win and especially get good wins, that's bad for Drake. So – a lot of nerves among the Bulldog faithful right now, um, but appreciative that they get to have those nerves. So I got to ask, um, with, with things being, I mean, we, we think you're in, but it's, it's, it's obviously up to the next week or so. But um, yeah. is there any pulse on the team whether or not they would take a, um, say they don't get in, would they take an NIT invitation? Certainly, yes. Yeah. Um, the Drake Athletic Director, Brian Harden, is all about getting – this new look Drake program, uh, all the exposure it can get um, and playing in the NIT right now would, would certainly give more exposure and more opportunity for TV announcers to talk about the good year, more exposure for, for Darren DeVries. So they would certainly take an NIT bid, yes. That's good. That's good. I, th I think definitely for that group, uh, more postseason they can play the better. But yeah. it, it, was there any thought, and, and I, you'd be able to correct me if I'm wrong, did they have any wiggle room to schedule one more game? Had they thought about scheduling a game this week, or was it just done? No, they they played their max. That was actually okay. DeVries was actually asked that, yeah, before, okay. before the game, um, and they played their max. I, you know, they credit to Drake for being able to make up all the games, and credit to the Valley for being able to schedule all the games for Drake to make up. But you do wonder if DeVries is today thinking, man, I wish that we didn't play that second game against you and I, man, I wish something didn't work out on the scheduling end because maybe today we could be playing a Creighton. Maybe today we could be going to play Xavier, getting, getting St. Another, Louis was looking for a game. Yeah. Just to get another good win um, that would help the resume, but yeah, no, they can't, they cannot. Yep. So um, probably one of the more interesting storylines of the uh, Valley tournament um, was the game that didn't get played. Yeah. Um, so were you in the stadium whenever everything was kind of going down? I actually wasn't. Okay. I actually wasn't. Yeah. So um, I was following that mostly on Twitter and through texting people and trying to figure out what was going on. Um, but what a, what a, a mess. 
Oh my gosh. Did you guys hear what Ben Jacobson said yesterday? Yeah. So that was, that was interesting that uh, basically from all his accounts is the game should have been played. Yes. And it should have, it should have, it was a false positive the day before. And then they needed to just confirm that it was going to be a false positive again the following day. And I, I still don't know exactly why that those steps weren't taken. Um, it sounds like a Valley issue rather than a, a UNI issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he, so Jake is normally super, super mild mannered with the media, annoyingly so. Like sometimes you just want to wring his neck and say something. Um, uh-huh. But he was, he was upset yesterday. He was, for him, it was like effusive, his emotion. And I don't blame him. I mean, those, and let's, let's be honest here. You and I could have done something against Drake. I mean, Drake is so shorthanded that you really can't predict uh, what could have happened in a tournament setting. You know, you and I, they're playing them for the third time in, in, in the year. It's a rivalry. These guys know each other. Um, so who knows what would have happened? Do I think you and I would have won? No, but it was a chance, certainly. Absolutely. And I know uh, you and I uh, would have wanted to uh, get a little revenge from uh, the prior year as well and uh, yeah. knock off Drake. Yeah, that was – Drake fans are still talking about that one from last year. So i got to ask um, a little bit more about this. Had you, uh, have you talked to Darren about, like, what happened exactly with the team or have you talked to some of the guys about, I mean, how it went down for them? I mean, did they come to the arena expecting to play and then just kind of had to wait around? Like, um, what's, what's the kind of the background story around uh, from a Drake perspective of how that kind of hour or so went until they found out they were going to practice for a little yeah. while on the floor? Yeah, so they, they – with, I think, pretty much right up until 4.35, they thought they were playing the game. I mean, uh, Yesifu was telling us that he was actually really, really upset that the game wasn't played because he gets in, like, a locked-in mode before every game that's kind of hard to get into and hard to get out. And he was in it, ready to go. Um, and I, they, they found out right when all this Twitter stuff was breaking, like 30 minutes before the game. So they were fully expecting to play that basketball game. I mean, I just feel like it was – they were waiting until the last minute on mm-hmm. everything. Like, it's like if we can get that false positive uh, confirmation in, you know, it's almost like they were right. kicking the can down the road. Um, right. You know, that's, that's where they were going. But wild, um, wild way to advance. Um, I do think it probably helped a little bit in the uh, Missouri State game, just having yes. a little bit fresher legs. I, yes. I truly think that it, it played into that. Um, but I mean, good for Drake, um, you know, to, uh, to get to the championship. So, you know, we know what happened in the championship. What does the rest of this week look like? And have you talked to the team or coach DeVries on what the rest of this week, uh, looks like in anticipation of selection Sunday? So there are no concrete plans yet for selection Sunday. I'm imagining those would come out, uh, and they'll send that to the media within the next couple of days or so in terms of what the guys are doing i know they got a couple days off um early in the week and then i think it's just regular practice um in the latter half of the week just getting ready to see where they're going to go if they're going to go to indianapolis for the ncaa's or if they're going to go to to dallas fort worth for the nit so i guess the the final question for you matt is um put you on the spot uh where will the drake bulldogs be playing next week will they be going to indianapolis or i think texas where the nit is going to be oh man I've got to stick to my guns. I said if they made it, made it to the final, if they are able to win the semifinal, especially over Missouri State instead of Alpo, that gives them another quad two win. Uh-huh. Um, I said they were going to get in. 
they would need three or four other teams on the bubble to have a good week, which is entirely possible. That's entirely possible, and that would knock them out. Uh, but in this in this crazy world where Drake caught all the nasty blows that it did this year with the COVID pause, with with Tank going down, with Roman Penn going down, I think the basketball gods were just preparing them for something good to happen. I think that's the way this works, right? If something, if you get a bunch of a bunch of crap, maybe you'll get something good at the end. So yep. I will predict they will make it. They'll play in the first four. Maybe they'll play Michigan State or something. Maybe they'll play Boise State. Um, but I'll predict they make it. Well, I think a lot of Valley fans are kind of hoping they might pick Colorado State out of that um, if they get in that first four. Oh, yes. Matchup oh. for them as well. Well, also, um, Drake fans, quick, Nico, old coach Nico Medved. Yeah, exactly, exactly. The one, I want to ask you one quick before I, before I let you go. I, I don't want to forget to ask about Tank. Um, mm-hmm. All accounts are that Tank's going to be ready to rock and roll for a postseason game. Yes. Um, that's what it sounds like uh, DeVries keeps saying. Um, anything on, on Tank's uh, recovery? Uh, just that he was very, very close to being able to be ready uh, for the MVC tournament. But he's coming back next year just like everybody, so they don't want to screw him up for the future. They don't want to bring him back too early and make it so he doesn't play at all next year. Um, so they felt more comfortable just waiting until he was back to really that 90 to 100% area for the tournament. Uh, but all everything I've heard um, and seen is that he's right on track to play for whatever postseason they're in. Good. And I'm, I'm with you too. I, I think that um, definitely this season, Drake is a household name. I mean, they're getting love. I mean, at the beginning of the season, just the way they started um, and just with the storylines that you said with injuries, I, I think they are a team of, of destiny to get the bid um, and they will be dancing on Sunday. Are we homers? Yes, we are. And we, <laughs> we, we hope so um, as well. But thank you so much, Matt Bain of the Des Moines Register. Where can people find you? Uh, you just go to DesMoinesRegister.com. You'll see all the stories by me and my awesome colleagues. And then on Twitter, it's, it's Matthew Bain underscore. So that Matthew Bain was taken by some like tech guy at Georgia Tech, some like science person. He hasn't used his Twitter in four years. So I'm, I'm not bothered at all by that, obviously. But yes, Matthew Bain underscore. Awesome. Thank you so much for spending a couple of minutes with us, especially after a awesome arch madness that the three of us got to see in person which i mean i we would not have said at the beginning of this season i don't think and so um thank you first time joining us hopefully not the last time but thank you for carving out some time to to join us in in what will be an interesting week to be a drake fan but i i think they should feel good about what has transpired this season and to put themselves in the position once again this has been matt bain of the des moines register All right, Valley fans, we recapped Arch Madness. We have an automatic qualifier in the Loyal Ramblers. But let's see where we think Drake stands for at or stands at today. Um, as of today, we're recording on Tuesday. Joe Lenardi has them in as one of the last four in. Um, I feel good about Drake. Where are you at, John? Yeah, I feel good. Um, I love the – I love where they're at. I think them playing competitive on that Sunday was everything for them. If you look at their resume, it doesn't we, – I don't know about you. I'll throw this back to you. Do you have that feeling as like, like Illinois State a couple of years ago when they got blown out on Sunday? I don't have that same feeling right now about Drake. I like don't. I don't – I'm not going into this Sunday. Like 
that weekend, and I was probably one of the only Illinois State fans saying this, but, like, I had no hope they were getting in after losing that Sunday to, to Wichita State. Like, I, I don't feel like – I don't even feel, feel that worried, to be honest with you, about this. Like, I feel like it's – they're going to get in. I, yeah, I, I don't have any worry. We talked about it with uh, Matt Bain. But it, for me, it, it has just a lot to do with the storyline, and I know it should be about resumes and whatever, but, like, throw that out with all the Power 5 stuff. Drake is a household yeah. name this season, in my opinion. Yeah, um, they're going a, undefeated as long as they did. Was yeah, huge. they're huge in the in the gambling world, uh, so they got a lot of shine there. Um, I, I just I, I feel good. I think it would be more of a heartbreaker if they were somehow left out of the field this year than any other uh, Missouri Valley snub um, in the past. Totally agree with you. I 100% agree with you. I think I think them being now now I, I'll flip this to you, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this. I feel like with their injury situation, with Tank probably being back, but Roman Penn's not, um, yep. I think that the committee is going to put him in, but I think the committee is going to put him in the playing game. Yo, yeah, I, th- I like unfortunately I'm, think they're playing in. I think that – but you know what? That could be kind of cool. There could be a, a cool matchup in store with uh, – we mentioned about Colorado State. or um, There's a lot of fun teams Wichita. around that little – well, which they would be – well, I don't think Wichita can make it as that large but because they would have to have their own spot. But – um, it would be cool to, if they got a fun matchup, maybe like a Colorado State. That would um, be cool. But I think I think what's going to happen is I think the committee will find a place for them in this tournament um, because if you look at their resume, their amount of quad one and quad two, like their quad one and two record is is pretty damn good for a Valley and a mid-major school. So, um, And the fact that they finished, I know they had to slip up against Bradley, but, um, I mean, with all their COVID shutdowns, they played such a – such a long stretch. I think it was like, it was an insane amount. It was like 10 games in 19 days or something weird. Like there was uh DeVries said it the other day of how many they played in a row and um, they were able to make it, you know, with only the, the Bradley loss. So um, hats off to them. I think they're, I think they should be in good shape. They should feel calm. I know as a Valley fan, we're, we're a little apprehensive going into selection Sunday when we're on the bubble, but um, I think the bubble will be good to us this year. I agree. So I expect them to be a play in game. Um, I'm you and me both. We're in that 12-11 range, whatever the playing game falls, because it just depends on the at-large pool and where that falls. So um, that's where I have them as being one of the last four in. I do as well. So let's move on to the automatic qualifier, uh, Loyal Ramblers. Where do you think they'll fall? Um, do you have Lunardi's up uh, by chance? But for me, I, I do. Think they're... I do have Lun. Here, let me go with. Actually, you know what? Before I tell you where Lunardi is, because I don't think that I, I I don't agree with Lunardi either. But I'd love to hear yours. What, I think they're going to make thought. the seven line. Okay. I I think you're high. I think that you're a little high on this. I think they're a little bit lower than that. I have them on the ten line. Whoa! So hey, seven ten game. <laughs> I think they're going to seven ten. Lenardi has them as the uh, the lowest ranked eight. Okay. The lowest ranked eight. So they're right there in the eight nine range. Um, there's a part of me that thinks that this could be a Wichita State Kansas situation where uh, Loyola finds themselves on the eight nine line next to number one Illinois, which that would be a tasty matchup for a Sunday on CBS with. Uh, Loyola name from a Final Four run a couple of years ago against uh, the big boys in the state. Um, that's that's pretty tasty. But um, I think they're I think I think you're right though. I think it's a seven ten eight nine. I think that's probably fair. I think I think their ceiling is six, and that's if the committee just 
absolutely banks everything on how good they are defensively. And I know that's a big metric they look at, so that helps their net and everything. But I, I, I say 10 seed just because I kind of feel like they're going to fall in that range where Wichita State did a few years ago when they uh, made it as a 10. All right, so um, we're going to stay in this vein around the 8-9 versus Illinois at a one seed. Um, I'm, I'm glad you uh, talk, brought this up, Baker. So <laughs> oh, boy. Here if, we go. If, if you've been listening to us, the creation of this podcast was due to uh, Baker and I ate lunch together with a group of other friends who follow Illinois religiously, just like we follow the Valley uh, religiously, and they just got sick of us talking about the Valley. Um, so this year, um, you know, Illinois is obviously good, so they're very happy about that. Um, let's just say uh, Baker and I have been hoping Loyola Illinois happens. And now that Lenardi has it potentially happening with them playing a one seed, um, let's just say the banter amongst our lunch crew has increased to just astronomical levels. And so much – that a little over the top. It's it's over the it's way over the top. So not much, from the Valley Boys, by the way. Oh no, we're we're egging it on um, because we keep saying <laughs> that Loyola is the best team in the state, and if if it happens, Loyola is going to win. It. Um, it got to such a heated moment that one of the lunch crew members um, bought a cameo, um, <laughs> which if you don't know what a cameo is, you can buy famous people or people that think they're famous will um you ask them to say something or give their thoughts on something you can pay them money and they'll send you a video back um one of them bought a cameo from jeff goodman um you know renowned uh, sports analyst uh that they asked them to bring up um his thoughts on loyola versus illinois and i'm gonna play that for you right now this is Jeff Goodman, uh, John Baker. Listen, uh, I, I know you guys are huge College Hoops fans. I know some of you guys are huge Illini fans. Uh, we got some Loyola fans as well, and you guys are kind of split on this one. I know, listen, the Ramblers are really good. They might be better than they were a couple years ago when they made that Final Four run. Uh, but last I checked, they don't have a guy named Io. They just don't. So uh, to me, the Illini uh, have one of the best players in the country this year. Uh, he is a bona fide closer. Uh, we will also have a podcast coming on I.O. soon, Robbie Hummel and myself. So, uh, listen, John Vance, the Illini are really good. I, I didn't, I wasn't completely bought in before the year either, but they've been terrific lately uh, with or without I.O. They've been absolutely phenomenal. Um, I still think they need the right matchup in the NCAA tournament so Kofi doesn't get exposed defensively. Um, but Curbelo's been fun. Frazier's capable of, of, of getting going. Uh, so I think this Illini team has a chance, certainly to go to the Final Four, maybe to win this whole thing. Loyola certainly has a chance, too, to win a couple games in the tournament. Crutwig's terrific. He's fun to watch. Uh, but again, guys, listen, uh, enjoy March. Um, this comes from Jeff Goodman. Enjoy March. Have fun uh, watching the tournament. We got this far. And uh, listen, can anybody beat Gonzaga or Barely? That's a big question. Baker, how ridiculous was this? It's pretty ridiculous, but uh, we got some – you know, our friends, they're, they're different cats. Um, that's all I'll say about that. I think uh, – listen, be careful with what you wish for, Illinois. Um, <laughs> like, I, I don't need to tell you Valley fans out there um, how tough of a matchup Loyola is going to be for anyone. And um, Loyola's got – Loyola's a pretty bad matchup for Illinois. 
it's it's just that's what's kind of spurred on this kind of clash between us and the friend group and I mean Loyola's got the Loyola's got the the firepower they've got honestly like the matchup like they have the beyond ball defender they need with Williamson against Io they have the big guy to go against Kofi and draw him out of the lane like Crutwig it's a bad matchup I mean that's that's just all there is to it and I know any Illinois fans out there are going to freak out when I hear when they hear anything like that. Is our lunch crew has, but um, it is what it is. But uh, thanks, Jeff, for the analysis on your cameo you gave us. All right, that's uh, all I had for uh, Drake and Loyola. Looking forward to having them in the NCAA tournament. So, um, real quick, we want to um, jump into Missouri State real fast as I pull up here the NIT bracketology. Um, they right now they are one of the first four teams out of the NIT bracketology. Um, you may think, uh, what's uh, what's that mean? Where what? Why is that important to really bring up the NIT? Uh, they're going to have more teams probably fall into the bubble. Um, the reason I think that's important is because we don't know who's going to take a bid to the NIT. I think I think there's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting to see what teams actually take a bid and what teams decline if they don't make the NCAA tournament. So. Um, if a team like Missouri State actually wants to um, play some more postseason games, I think that, uh, you know, they position themselves well. And if they want to get in, I think there might be a spot for them in the NIT. Vance, do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, I think they would love to run with that and uh, go to the NIT. Um, I, I, like, I like your the avenue you're going down is we don't know who's going to take the – the invitations uh, just with COVID and maybe they need to set some teams aside in case someone goes down for the COVID uh, just like the NCAA is doing. So I think you're, you're right on it. I think it's interesting for them is they have a team that um, Izo Mosley even tweeted out the other day is coming back. So um, team that's coming back, they're bringing their guys all back. This could be really valuable games that if they could get them um, playing teams like, you know, your Belmonts or Richmond's the teams that aren't going to be making the NCAA tournament um duke if they decide to uh to not go play and so if they decide to go to the nit i mean there's going to be some quality teams to play and you know maybe make a little bit of a run in the nit uh it's it, it, the nit is being played in texas correct it's 16 teams yes. this year yep yeah um if i'm correct and and what stinks for them is normally in a 32 team field this they're in i mean they're going to be making the nit which uh that's a little bit of a bummer for missouri state uh that there wasn't enough uh enough spots this year but uh you know, hopefully, hopefully they get a chance to play some postseason basketball. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we have uh, two teams in the NCAA and another in the NIT. Uh, and we have three games to talk about next week. Okay, Valley fans, we're going to talk about our uh, final little segment here. It's just going to be uh, our top three moments this year for the Missouri Valley Conference basketball season. Um, and we'll go back and forth here as uh, we go through them. But I'll start it off with number one, and this was an early season memory for me. Uh, it's one of the bright spots for my Illinois State Redbirds, putting up 177 points against the just an incredibly tough Greenville squad uh, at home at Redbird Arena, 177 to 108. I uh, got a little bit of pub going to – got on Scott Van Pelt, got on ESPN. Uh, this was a huge news story with uh, the amount of points they put up. So um, it was cool just seeing my team on ESPN as Valley fans. We don't always get that, so uh, fun that uh, they had at least uh, a little bit of uh, fun news on their end. Yeah, so I'm uh, going down the vein of uh, our teams, and so I am going to go with SIU's win at Butler, um, just uh, a biggest win win for the Salukis at the time. 
Um, we were playing well. That was before uh, Marcus Dumas went out for the season. Just to go on the road and beat a, a biggest, Big East team, um, just huge for our program um, at the time. And, uh, you know, just I, as a Suki fan, I was riding high at, at, that, at that point and um, got, got the publicity that it needed. And it just – that was my favorite Saluki moment. That was an awesome moment. Uh, awesome moment for the Valley as well. Um, my second one, this is one that um, I'm, I'm sure you probably predicted. Evansville getting their first victory in almost calendar year. Um, or what was it? Uh, yeah, it was uh, almost a full calendar year. I can't remember how many days. I think it was like one or 348, something like that. Uh, beating Eastern Illinois, 68-65 at home. Uh, I remember watching this game. I think I watched this place, the game at your house too, Vance, which was even better about it. It was like – we they finally got that win and it was I think it was kind of an exhale like oh they finally did it and uh I think we've kind of throughout this doing this podcast have have a soft spot for them. So we collectively were just rooting super hard for them. Uh not in that game because I believe they did it against SIU, but um <laughs> uh, it was against East, it was against Eastern Illinois. Oh, I thought you um, sorry. I my I was thinking their first conference win. Um not their you like, don't first listen, you don't listen win-win. sometimes, man. Yep. Come on now. Yeah. Um, yes. Very excited about uh, Evansville uh, winning that game. Not their first conference win in forever. Uh, so my second one will be um, just the Drake streaks um, and the national notoriety they got. Um, and it got even more uh, amplified whenever they in the betting circles were like 13 and 0 against the spread for a while. So there was just a mm-hmm. ton of just tweets and memes going out that if you put you know, $10 on Drake and you just kept rolling your money over, you'd be like a millionaire at this point. So I just thought that was really cool. Um, just them getting the national notoriety, which I think has propped them up and propelled them this season to earn that at-large bid. Uh, that's a good one for sure. Uh, mine kind of goes in the same vein. My final third one um, kind of falls in that Drake area. And uh, for me, it's a weekend of Drake and Loyola. Uh, it was just such a huge hyped up weekend for the Valley. Uh, we finally had that marquee matchup on ESPN. And then uh, I think the other one was on CBS uh, or well, maybe they were both on ESPN. I can't remember, but um, they were both televised uh, big time games. Uh, I know Loyola beat the breaks off them in the first game, but that second game in particular was the Valley game of the year for me. Um, it was just uh, one of those back and forth battles and just two high quality tournament caliber teams going at it. Um, didn't particularly like each other as you saw at the end of that game, which uh, I think made it even more fun that it got a little chippy. It's like, yeah, you know what? Hey, these, these two teams aren't really fans of each other. And this is, uh, I think that makes it even more exciting. So uh, that's my third and final one. I think just that weekend, uh, the Valley kind of felt like we were taking center stage. Even on like college game day, we we're talking about the game and it's like the, the two game matchup, which is uh, very cool. Sister Jean came in and uh, made the picks. <laughs> that's, there you go. Um, so, uh, my last one, and, and it's going to be more, uh, higher level, uh, but just, we got our entire conference season in, um, 18 games, um, highlight of, I would say my winter, just being able to watch all of these games. Um, yes, we had pauses, but we got them in. Um, so just for me, that's just a huge moment for the Valley. We're one of the only conferences to do that. Um, and I mean, to date, I think we were the only conference to do that. Um, but Yeah. It's uh, it's just a testament to the league. Yes, we have a blemish due to Arch Madness, but just what Valley teams did to make it happen and the front office did. I mean, as a fan, you've got to be happy that we had opportunities to watch our, our teams as much as we did. 
I mean, it's just take a step back for a second, Vance. It's just thinking about like the the world that that was when the season started. Like, I mean, still so much, and I mean, there still is now the, so much uncertainty with COVID and everything like that. But uh, to get a season in, to be able to see our college team, yeah, it wasn't the same as normal. We didn't. Uh, it wasn't, we didn't get to go to all these games that we would normally go to. We didn't, it wasn't the exact same experience as every other year, but just having it kind of gave us some normalcy and yep. in Absolutely. a time where it's uncertain. So I, I'm just super happy that we at least got the games. And so we, we've done our top moments uh, as of Tuesday, the ninth. Um, you know what, Baker, let's add to it. Let's have one of our teams make a run in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, that'd be pretty awesome. Um, that uh, I, I think both teams uh, definitely are uh, poised to poised to do so. Uh, should Drake get in as well? But um, you know, it was an awesome podcast. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed us going through all the uh, the memories from Arch Madness. Uh, we had a lot of fun uh, interacting with all of you down in St. Louis. The ones we saw. Um, apologize to any that we didn't get a chance to see. But uh, in the years to come, hopefully, we do uh, come across uh, paths in Arch Madness and uh, in, in Illinois State when I'm there as well. So. Um, definitely had a great time uh, interacting with y'all. Uh, and next week, uh, this will be the last podcast of the week. We'll probably do uh, one sometime early next week once we know the fate of our three teams, uh, if they're playing, who they're playing. Uh, I have a breakdown on uh, what's going on. Uh, but until then, yeah, you guys can find us on Twitter at March Arch Pod, at March Arch Baker, uh, March Arch Mailbag if you want to send us an email, uh, and check us out on our website, MarchArchPodcast.com. And with that, I'll say, go Valley. Start talking about the Valley. Why not?